special fans. Welcome back to another episode of Accessible Athletics. I have a special guest joining me today. His name is Bill Eastman. He is a Special Olympics Calgary coach and author of his very first book called The Judas Legacy, which is book one in his Apocalypse series. Welcome, Bill, and thank you for coming on to the show today. Well, thanks for asking me. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I was born in Calgary, but I uh, lived the first 11 years of my life in Oregon in the U.S. and uh, grew up a lot down there. And then we moved back uh, to Calgary when I was 11. Uh, lived here all my life since then. I'm married. Uh, my wife and I have been together for over 30 years, and I have two adult kids. Oh, nice. Uh, what, uh, what are your kids' names to, to uh, tell the viewers here? My oldest is my daughter, Jocelyn, and my youngest is Kyle. Oh, nice. So that's good. That, yeah, two kids is, uh, is good. You must be pretty uh, busy with, uh, with them then. Well, they, they're on their own uh, as far as work goes, and they're out of school. But, uh, yeah, we try to stay involved as much as we can with them. And uh, they're, they're special Olympics athletes as well. So uh, we get uh, pretty excited with watching them in their athletics. Oh, that's, that's nice. So I understand you grew up playing a lot of baseball. Can you tell us more about that? And did that play a role in getting you involved in coaching? Well, when I grew up uh, or was growing up in, in the U.S., there were no hockey rinks, so baseball was the sport of my choice. Um, I didn't even learn how to skate until I was 12, so I'm not very good skater. Uh, so baseball became the sport that uh, I chose and, and have played competitively since I was uh, seven years old. I played competitive baseball and have coached teams and, uh, and so on. Um, I got into coaching, uh, baseball, like a lot of people that get into sports, uh, they, they end up helping out coach. I coached, uh, as an assistant coach when I was 15, one of my dad's teams, uh, for a few years, I coached in my thirties with some men's teams and, uh, and much older when I coached with, uh, some mixed slow pitch. So I've been coaching for a long time in baseball. Well, it sounds like you're, uh. You're pretty involved, and it sounds like you really, you really love sports, and you love coaching, so that, that's good to, uh, good to hear. Yeah, coaching is one of the ways to give back, and, and seeing other, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you get the competitive spirit in you, but I will tell you that uh, watching somebody that you coached succeed really is heartwarming. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, uh, imagine that feeling as a, as a coach, you know, going through all that, they accomplish everything, and must be a pretty great feeling for that. It is. Uh, like I said, you when you when you watch someone that you've coached succeed, you, you, it warms you in a way that it doesn't when you're playing. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. So how did you get involved specifically with Special Olympics? That's a great question. Uh, a neighbor of my son, or of ours, when, we, when my son was uh, much younger, uh, asked him if he wanted to join uh, Special Olympic soccer. And so him and my daughter both uh, enrolled in Special Olympic soccer. Eventually, they got into the floor hockey program. And uh, so that was years ago when they were both teenagers. Um, the, the sport needed lots of volunteers. There were coaches, but they needed sport scorekeepers. And so I volunteered to be a scorekeeper. I score kept for them for a lot of years until uh, the coaching, dra they drag you into coach as well. <laughs> yeah. And once you... Uh... Once you start coaching, I heard um, you get pretty attached to it pretty quickly, and it's hard to hard to leave. You do. It's they they say once you're involved in the coaching of Special Olympics, you're in for life. 
Yeah. But that's good because I guess Special Olympics in a way is kind of, you know, like one one big family kind of. You get to know people so well and then you just become a, a good family with them. That's correct. You you end up coaching one sport and, and those athletes play in multiple sports often. And so next thing you know, you're coaching multiple sports and it's the same athletes from a broad scope of sporting events. Mm, yeah, that's that's good that you're so involved with it. Uh, what sports do you coach and well, how long you've been coaching? Well, I started, I was, I was asked to be an assistant coach on the basketball team a number of years ago when they were needing coaches. And I, uh, so that was in, I think, 2016 or 2017. And I've been coaching with the basketball team since then. Um, I started coaching uh, floor hockey right after COVID. And we've been coaching floor hockey since then. So coaching in floor hockey and basketball. Oh, nice. Yeah. What's uh What's the basketball team called that you coach, just so that the viewers can know? <laughs> it's We call ourselves the Titans. Titans, nice. Yeah, and it's interesting because that is the name of Team Alberta, just so you know. The Titan, or the, the mascot's name is Titan. So Titan is a, is a really interesting name that keeps uh, traveling. The interesting component of the name Titans that you guys chose as athletes, uh, the coaches didn't choose that, that name, the, the athletes did. My university or college team was called the Titans. And my slow pitch team in, in, that I coached was called the Titans. So oh. that is a name that just keeps traveling with me. <laughs> That's probably why you named the basketball team after the Titans then. For... I, didn't, I didn't do that. The, the players voted on that, and the players chose that. It wasn't, I stayed out of the voting altogether. It's also a name of a, on a movie, too, of a football team. So Remember Titans. the Titans. Yeah, the Titans yeah. are everywhere. So It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's a, that's a good movie for sure. Yeah. So, as you are aware, the Special Olympics National Winter Games are coming up here in Calgary near the end of February. Do you have any involvement with these national games? Uh, yeah, I've uh, volunteered to help Team Alberta, and I'm on what they call the mission staff. And what the mission staff does is it helps uh, assist the coaches in whatever they need. So whether it's uh, helping organize the players, helping communicate between Team Alberta or the games committees and the, and the coaches themselves. And so I'm working with two of the sports, uh, cross-country skiing and figure skating. Oh, nice. That must be uh, keeping you uh, pretty busy working with those two teams. Well, they're they're not huge teams, but uh, yeah, they're in two diverse uh, areas with the figure skaters and the cross country ski teams. They're excellent athletes, and it's really going to be exciting to watch them. Yeah, yeah, the games going to be uh, pretty exciting to uh, to watch too. So uh, I'm really excited to uh, looking forward to these games and seeing. Uh, what these athletes have looked to and seeing what these athletes can bring. Well, I understand you're one of the uh, Special Olympics ambassadors. I am one of the uh, Special Olympics ambassadors. Um, I got uh, an email about that earlier in the year asking if I want to be a Special Olympics ambassador. And uh, I had to do the full interview process. And then, then I got hired to be an athlete ambassador. And so what that does is I just go there and... Uh, I go and like help athletes, maybe interview athletes about their sports and ask them what they do to prepare kind of thing. And actually, funny enough, as an athlete ambassador, just to uh, tell some viewers here, I'm actually, uh, I got an interview recently to go on uh, the Global News Morning Show as an athlete ambassador. Wow. During the Winter Games. So uh, hopefully I get to tell the athletes more about, uh, but more about Special Olympics and just like what's this, what it's about. So it should be fun. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing you go through that process as well. Yeah, Sophie, uh, because it's my first time ever being on live television, like ever. So excellent. <laughs> we'll see excellent. how that goes. 
So what are you most excited for with these national games? Well, the first games that I ever went to was a provincial games, um, but then we went to the national games in Anikanish. And one of the most exciting parts is the opening ceremonies. So if you've ever seen the opening ceremonies for the bigger worldwide Olympics, Special Olympics is exactly the same. It's that really exciting moment when all the athletes have their athletes parade into the arena. And it's, it's just a heartwarming moment uh, to see all the athletes in their excitement. That's probably the, the thing that hits me the most. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool to uh, to watch too. Each uh, each country has their own flag bearer that carries the flag. That's just that's so cool. You know how uh, how passionate they can be about about these sports. But. That's right. And each province uh, in the national games will have their own flag bearers, and they and they'll bring in the the team flags. Oh, nice. Do you know if uh, anyone who the flag bearer is for Team Alberta? I do, but I'm not allowed to tell uh, anybody because yeah. it is a secret right now. And uh, until there's an, a public announcement, I can't tell you, but I do know who it is. Oh, well, that's good. I guess it'll just be a surprise for everybody. Keep the suspense going. It's a surprise for everybody but the athlete who already knows. And uh, that athlete was full of smiles when it's a very proud moment for them. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm expecting it to be a proud moment for everybody. That's Well, that's the that's the athlete's moment. That's, that's the moment they look for. That's what they uh, they practice for, so any time they get to make the national games, it's a huge accomplishment and achievement for any of them. It is, it is. So have you ever been to the Special Olympics World Games, and in what sport? I have not been to the World Games. I've been to the Nationals uh, for basketball. Um, the World Games I have not been to, although I did help coach two local athletes that made Team Canada last <laughs> year. Uh, they went to Berlin. I did not go with them, but I helped coach them up until the games, and that was Will Shepard and Michaela Weslow. Yeah, they, uh, I had them on my show here uh, about a month ago, so and they, uh, they seemed pretty excited about the games. They seemed like they had fun, so that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's an experience, I think, like any Olympic athlete. It's a, uh, athlete, it's an experience that is unforgettable. Yeah, they said they were surprised when they got called to be part of the, uh, the World Games. They said it was surprising, and they didn't know like, what to expect going into it, but then they said they had fun. Yeah, yeah, it was quite an experience for them both. So as you know, my show is about helping Special Olympics athletes to live a healthy lifestyle. As a coach, I'm sure you have some helpful advice on this topic. How can athletes stay healthy outside of practices and in competitions? Well, I don't want to tell people. I'm not a health expert, but... um again, helping two of the athletes uh, train for, for the World Games and so on, um, the best things that I can give as advice is exercise is number one. Stay active, and that means uh, going for walks, doing a workout regimen, whatever you can to stay active, uh, including whatever you're doing for your sports and, and over and above that. And also eating properly. Good diet is another thing that is important. So the combination of good diet and, and, uh, and keeping active will will keep an athlete or anybody in better shape. And I think that's great advice, you know, for for everybody because even if we're not part of Special Olympics, I'm sure we're still athletes in our own ways. Like maybe we play sports outside of Special Olympics for fun. So it's just good tips to learn to stay healthy just in general. You have a much happier lifestyle and you probably enjoy your life a lot more. Yeah, and a healthy body is a healthy mind and everything kind of goes together. So that really does go hand in hand. And I know most people, myself included, when you're, when you're feeling healthy, um, you're, you're more social with your friends and more social with your family. So, And that's always a, 
that's always something we want as uh, as athletes too to be social and to just make good friends because it's nice when you have a lot of friends. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that's really special about Special Olympics is that you develop some really good friendships while you're uh, competing. Yeah, and you develop them pretty quickly too over time. Like you join a team within about a week, and you know everybody's names and. You've gotten all their numbers, so that's that's just what makes it so cool. That's correct, yeah. Uh, what do you do when athletes are struggling to work on their health? That's a good question. It's really difficult when someone is struggling with working on their health. Um, I don't like to ever tell people what they have to do, but being accountable and trying to set up an accountability schedule is always good where you can uh, find an accountability buddy or coach and you can just check in with them. That's always a good thing to to do when you've got someone struggling. And I know uh, from my previous interview with uh, Michaela, she said you had a coach kind of helping her with preparing for her nutrition and kind of being healthy during uh, during the games too. So that's pretty important. Yeah, that's, uh, again, a real good a- uh, asset that the Special Olympics committees put together. They, they try to teach the athletes about good diet, about mental health, about uh, social health, and about physical health. So... And unfortunately, I still see some athletes that still make um, not the best choices for drinks or for food. But hopefully, uh, hopefully they're working on that, and hopefully they can they can change that. So. Well, you, you, everybody got to has to make their own choice, and everybody has to make their own decisions. Uh, but you hopefully that you can steer them in the right direction uh, with with some some good presence around other athletes that are taking care of themselves. Yeah, and you can only control what you can control too, right? So that's correct. How do you consider health when planning a practice or a game? Well, it's it's a little bit easier for practice because you're always doing uh, cardio, you're doing workout or a warm up. Uh, stretching is an is a key impo- component of working out, um, so we do that. Make sure that that's incorporated in to the whole practice. In a game, we do the same thing. Proper preparation prior to the game is important. Um, as far as considering health, though, we've got to make sure that the athletes, if there's any injuries, that uh, we take care of those as well. Yeah, that's always important too. You want them to uh, make sure that athletes are performing as best they can be to the best of their abilities too. So yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. What changes have you seen from athletes when they implement healthy choices? Well, uh, again, I can, I can use probably the best examples and going back to some of the things that we've seen with the basketball team. Uh, I have watched some of those athletes go from uh, struggling with their cardio, struggling with their health and weight to getting really in good shape through cardio and through diet and have seen them go from people that are trying to figure out the game to people that are representing the province at, at the national level. So it's really exciting. Wow, that's a, that's a huge change. I'm sure it's good on them, and I'm sure it's good as you as coach to see that too. It's wonderful to see that when you, when you see that growth of an athlete. That shows that the athlete you know, cares and, and they want to be better. They want to have better health, and it shows that they're trying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Show that commitment. Do you have any recommendations for athletes? To be more active? Uh, try to get out and walk. That's always a good thing. That's a good starting point. 
Um, if you can find a gym, and there's a lot of them that have uh, zero fees or low fees, if you can join a gym, that's always a good thing. If you can get a workout buddy, that's always a good thing as well, um, because that uh, cooperation with somebody else will help push you when you're not feeling up to snuff and, and you feel like you'd rather just sit on the sofa and eat chips and watch TV, uh, your workout buddy will help you keep you motivated. Yeah, that's good. What if um, an athlete or someone doesn't have access to a gym, and but they want to work out? What, what can they do then? There are a lot. Uh, today, it's much easier to find workout uh, uh, videos on YouTube. It's easier to find workout options that you can go on the internet and find some regimens that you can do in your basement. Um, any, almost anybody, not everybody, but almost anybody can, can find a place where they can at least walk. And when you can do that, uh, that's that's a good starting point. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. Uh, I think it's important on everybody's part to uh, be active and just to get out and go for a walk. And not only that it helps your health, but you know it also makes you feel happier. You're like, oh, I went outside, I did something. You know, it just feels a lot better than being stuck inside, and you can just get to see different changes, and it just kind of changes your mood too. Absolutely, and and sun sunlight. Uh, does amazing things for the body. And it's got a lot, it's actually pretty healthy for you too to get in that much sunlight. There's lots of like vitamins and sunlight, so it's really good for your health. Yep. Well, your involvement in Special Olympics is truly inspiring. But this is not the only thing that keeps you busy. As I understand it, you've also recently published a book called The Judas Legacy. And I believe this is book one in your Apocalypse series. Having recently read it, I'm a big fan of the Judas Legacy. Can you tell the audience a little bit about your book and well, the series? Well, first of all, uh, thanks for reading it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, no worries. It's a great book. Very interesting, by the way, too. So. Good. Um, a little bit about the book. Um, just the, from a storyline perspective, um, the story base is based around a uh, uh, wealthy individual who is a businessman who has discovered some ancient relics and that they have uh, an evil, uh, infused evil component to them that allows him to manipulate people. And as he's accumulating these relics, one of them gets intercepted by a museum curator. And he discovers this and he kidnaps her daughter and holds her for ransom to get this relic. Um, now the rest of the story is her trying to work with some other people to, uh, to save her daughter and to also at the same time has to keep this relic away from him. And then the whole journey is through that and her trying to save her daughter. That sounds like a, a really interesting read. Um, like there's lots of stuff going on there for, for listeners and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's. I've always been a fan of uh, hero journeys and uh, the the underdog overcoming, and that's part of it. Um, and of course, uh, some of my favorite movies uh, and and books are Da Vinci Code and and Raiders of the Lost Ark and those kinds of things. And so those are kind of the same kinds of inspirations. So it sounds like to me that you're like a history kind of guy. You're interested in like the history and uh, and that kind of thing. Well, I wasn't a history. I, I really hated history in, in high school. Um, it was one of those things that just was not something as exciting. But when I got to college, I, I ended up having to having to take a history course. 
and I fell in love with it because I had a great professor. Um, so I love history now, and there's a lot of history that is incorporated. Uh, now I have taken a lot of liberties with the history, but I've taken historical events and incorporated them into the story as well. Oh, nice. How many um, books series of the Jewish sakes are you planning to write? Like, I know you have book one out. I mean, I read it. Um, how many books are you planning to write within that, uh, that series? Uh, that, that's a great question. So book one was originally intended as a standalone, and I think it can be read as a standalone. But when I got finished with it and gave it to some, the first individuals that read it all came back and said, where's book two? And I, <laughs> and I realized that I left the, the door open enough for a book two. And then in my head, um, book two was, took it to a place, but not complete. So a book three was was also intended. So three books in total will be part of the, the Apocalypse series. Oh, nice. It always sounded like you had some readers that were interested and they wanted to get on with the, uh, the next season and have more of it. I've had a, a number of people that have read it that have come to me and said, where's book two and three? And so <laughs> they're coming. We've got book two in at editing right now, and book three is about uh, 70% done with the first draft. Oh, nice. What inspired you to write the series? Like what motivated you? Well, I used to own a bookstore, so I always wanted to be a writer, um, and I always loved the adventure stories more than any other genre, so heroes um, and, and that kind of thing. I also worked in the coin industry, and I would come across old coins that were sometimes not just decades old, but hundreds of years old, and most of them had a story behind them. The rarest ones had a really good story behind them. And I used to wonder who held the coin through two or 300 years. And there was a, a germ of an idea of what if you followed a coin from the time it was made until the, till, to today. And so then I took these 2,000-year-old coins and said, what was the history of those? And carried them on through. And what if there was more than just a coin? Um, what if there was something, a curse around that coin or something? And that's where the, the germination of the story came from. Mm. That, sounds, uh, that sounds pretty interesting. It sounds like uh, you used, like what you, when you used to work at a coin store, it sounds like you used that to, uh, to put the book together and stuff, so... Well, uh, the funny thing, people ask how long it took me to write it. I started writing uh, when I was in the coin industry and I was 25. I'm not that anymore. <laughs> I'm much older than that. But uh, my kids came along and family came along and uh, that takes precedent over uh, the book, or at least it did. Um, so I put it away. And then in one of the moves that we did, I found the old manuscript that I had started and said, this still idea still is in my brain, and I decided to write it, and uh, it took a few months to put it together. Well, that's good that you, even though like you had kids, you, you put it aside, but like most people put it aside and they forget about it, but that's good that you put it aside. It seems like you really want to be motivated to do it at some point. You just want to find the time to do it. Yeah, it never really left my brain. I would sometimes see the manuscript and it would be there and it, and the initial story, uh, beginning and end, not the middle, but the beginning and end were still in my head. And that was after decades. So I thought it's got to still be there and it's, it's got to come out. Nice. It must be a, a lot of work trying to like write a book and coming up with everything, like coming up with like, well, what do I come up with? Like, how do I write this? And trying to figure it out. There must be a lot of work. Was it? Or? Well, 
uh, it would seem like it, and I, and I don't want to diminish it because it was a lot of work. Um, but And I hit a writer's block when I was in my 20s, and, and I was stuck. I didn't know how to go from beginning to end. Uh, what I did is I took each of the characters in the book, and I wrote them on a day planner and said, on day one, this is what they all did, and what would the next logical step for each one of them be? And I just drew it out on a day planner of what the what their actions would be in, in a real high level. And then the story kind of wrote itself. It's interesting. Like, it's... Uh... It's kind of like fictional characters, yeah. but yet it takes place in like a real city, you know, like Calgary, Vancouver. They're all real Canadian cities, so that I find that that aspect's like pretty, pretty cool with the book too. Well, uh, for me, it was easier to write about places that I had been, and I've been in Toronto, I've been to Vancouver, I've been to Calgary, of course, most of my life, and uh, it was easier to uh, write about those places in a what I thought was a realistic uh, component. Mm. That sounds uh, sounds very interesting. I would definitely uh, highly recommend to uh, the listeners here to go and check out that book. It's, uh, it, it is a very great book. I've, I've read it, and uh, I can tell you one thing. I have never read a book that fast in my life. <laughs> well, I appreciate <laughs> so that. Yeah, I took it camping. I was, like, glued to it all the time. <laughs> I just couldn't put it down, so... Well, I, and, and most of the people that I've talked to, once they get to a certain spot in the book, then it moves very quickly. Yeah. So uh, where can people find it if they're interested in, like, find a book and they want to read it or they want more information on it? It depends on how you read it. Um, if you read it digitally, you can find it on Kobo, which is a Canadian a digital book uh, format, or on Amazon. Um, there's some other places, but those are the two primary places you can get it for digitally. Um, if you want a soft cover, which it's available, um, you can order directly from Amazon right now. Oh, Okay. And it'll be in your in your house in a very short time if you order from Amazon. They're they're very quick about getting the book to you. Yeah, and then it's uh yeah, well, it's a very interesting book, and uh, I hope uh, I hope to read your second book soon, and uh, all the, all the series that continue. It'd be fun to see like uh, what happens after uh, after the first one. I'll make sure you get a copy. Yeah, well, thanks. Well, Bill, I wish you the best of luck with your book series. This has been a great conversation, and I've enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you again for coming on my show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me, Damien. It was great. Well, there you have it, special fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Accessible Athletics. I'm your host, Damien Kyoto, reminding you to continue making a healthy lifestyle your priority, and stay tuned for the next episode of Accessible Athletics.